This episode is supported by Vegamore. I am a month and a half into my Vegamore journey, and I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed thinning hair before. And it's exciting to see those babies come in. I use the shampoo, the conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell, 100% cruelty-free, and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash mind, code mind, to save 20% on your first order. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression, and this podcast aims to share it all. From personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Today's episode, we are talking with Reginald Day. I met Reg at the PSI conference in New Orleans this year, and he is doing phenomenal work. He was one of the recipients of the community of the grant awards that PSI offered this year. And when you hear from him, you will for sure understand why he's doing such important work. And today we are going to be talking about the value of fathers. He is sharing his own experience as well, how he got into this work and how passionate he is about the work that he is doing. You'll also hear how needed his work is. And I really hope that for those of you who are listening, who feel inspired and feel like you want to support his work, that you're able. Reginald Day, who goes by Reg, is a certified lactation consultant, creator of Get At Me Dad podcast, fatherhood expert, Southeast Michigan IBCLCs of color, Nature's Playhouse fatherhood support group, and a community health worker. He has also co-facilitated a community-based birth and breastfeeding support group called Meet Nurse Love, where he is served by mentoring alongside fathers and supporting their birthing and breastfeeding partners. He is a married father of two children who were breastfed, and he's made it his mission to change the narrative of how fatherhood in BIPOC populations is viewed. He has a passion for people serving as an associate pastor at his local church. He is a fatherhood and family advocate who believes that great communities begin with strong families. I really love that he is working on breaking down some of these old ideas of what fatherhood is, what black fatherhood is, and what BIPOC fatherhood is, and giving us the truth, the real understanding of how actually involved fathers are, and finding ways to support fathers to be more involved, and to find ways that they can be involved that maybe they didn't know about before. I'm really excited to get into this episode. So let's meet Reg. Welcome, Reginald. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. I met you at the Postpartum Support International Conference and you were one of the award recipients for the work that you're doing. And yes. it's so incredible and so inspiring. I wanted the folks who listen to this podcast to be able to hear about what you're doing as well. So yeah, thanks. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was a great conference too, by the way. So I was excited to get to meet you. I was very surprised. <laughs> In the passing in the hallway, I was like, oh my goodness, like <laughs> it's you. So yeah, no, I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. I'm I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing. And yeah, so I want to let everyone know what led you to do the work that you are doing. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. Well, I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells, and the OneSkin scientists found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New Year, healthier skin. That's one skin. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready-to-eat Factor meals. And ready-to-eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high-protein and calorie-smart options one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic roasted green beans. This is restaurant quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's a great question. It's actually a loaded question too, yes. <laughs> because so first of all, I'm a father myself of two children. They are 14 and 13 now. So we started this journey a while ago, but I was still fairly young when we got on the journey. And we being my wife and I got married pretty young, had children like right away. And I was very, very much so young presenting. I'm not sure how, you know, for those that can actually watch this, how would you think I am? But uh, <laughs> imagine me 15 years ago, I was 150 pounds, right? Very thin and very just young in the face. And so walking into a hospital system saying, hey, I'm married, my wife's going into labor. 
unfortunately, people didn't really take me seriously. Not the fact that I made the statement that my wife's going into labor, but they didn't think that I was going to be a father that's actually engaged and involved. And so doctors would ignore me. Nurses would ignore me. I had security patting me down literally to get to the labor and delivery floor. And so that was just a very traumatic time for me. When I say traumatic, I mean traumatic. I was going through postpartum depression myself. I didn't even realize it because I had no words, no language, no one actually to walk me through that. And so, you know, we may come back to that, but long story short, I chose years ago to reframe those experiences because I did not want anyone to have to face similar experiences as myself. And if they did face that, not have an outlet. So I chose mm-hmm. to be that voice, that outlet for other specifically fathers, right, to yeah. to come to and to share with and creating a safe space where they can be vulnerable, but also get resources and tools, right, to know that they're not by themselves. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. There's there's so much in there that is whatever you'd like to share about about your journey. We are. I welcome you to do that because that that is that's a tough journey. It's, I mean, it sounds like from A to Z was like, oh, this happened and that happened. Now I'm here. Now I'm here. (laughs) Uh, But it it took a lot for you to go through any of that. And just one of the things I love so much is this drive that you're describing of Mm -hmm. going through something so intense and so difficult and coming out of that wanting to help other people. There's just something so beautiful about that. But it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, and I guess for me, having the opportunity to look back and actually just time to reflect, right? Mm-hmm. And and actually like give myself grace for the fact that you made it, you know, and I'm not one to boast. Like I'm really not. I'm not one to actually, I'm actually more critical of myself than anyone around mm-hmm. me. But mm-hmm. this one thing I've learned over the few years is like, no, you we're resilient, yes. right? Like yes. for all the things that I know, I, I the decisions I may have regretted, um, mm-hmm. the fact that in this moment, I am where I am with my wife, we're still together. We have two healthy children. Like like that's an accomplishment that I, I have learned to celebrate, right? Because yes. mentally so, mm-hmm. I was actually prepared to, I was trying to contemplate ways to take my own life mm-hmm. that were, would look like an accident, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it wasn't like I was like putting plans on paper, but mm-hmm. my mind would like go to these thoughts because of the mm-hmm. fact I felt like I was just not seen and not important. Oh, I was devalued God. by a system that was meant to help me usher a new life into the world. And not only that, there were so many issues that were existing. I was in school. We were young. We were starting out trying to get a career going, like all these financial and social aspects that I'm the man. I'm trying to hold it together, but everything around, you know, so people facing, I want to look strong and secure, but inwardly I'm, I'm frightened and scared. And I have no one that I can literally turn to to say, Hey, what do I do? Like to cry in the safe space and not be looked at as this whole term of masculine or, or non-masculine, right? But like mm. being able to share and not feel shame, right? That right. is, that was difficult for me. Right. And who so do you, who do yeah, you go, go to if that's not already 
And like, if you don't already have an established person where you know mm -hmm. you can do that, who are you going to? Who you go to? And in the black community, unfortunately, mental health has, has been something that was stigmatized for mm -hmm. so long. Like you cuckoo. Like mm -hmm. that's the thought that mm -hmm. I, or the words I would always hear growing up. What's wrong with you? Like it, it was to the point where if you did feel like you had to talk to somebody or you wanted to talk to someone, then there was something wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And not and something looking, wrong with you. Something wrong with me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we don't have those type of problems. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So that period of time, you, you were saying that postpartum depression time that was mm -hmm. right after the, the birth of your first. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was during that time you had those really intense feelings. It was. It was because, again, I mentioned going to the hospital and we mm -hmm. my wife, she was very sick. She had hyperemesis mm -hmm. and she had preeclampsia. Wow. So. We were at the hospital like every other week right? and I would hear and see, right? Not only like did I feel it, but I would actually see it with my own physical eyes, nurses looking at her like, give me eye contact if he's abusing you. Like it was one of those oh. things where like, I'm bringing her here. I'm staying here. I'm concerned. You see the worry on my face because I want to make sure she's okay. And I want to make sure our child's okay. But now you're making me feel like I am an abuser or I'm a villain here when we're both in this together. Uh, and so that aspect, right, that had me looking, okay, these individuals, they don't, they see me as a black man, they see me as a threat, when all I'm trying to do is care, right? So we go into that, that, that phase. And then when I'm actually in appointments, speaking, trying to find out what do I need to do as a father, mm -hmm. doctors giving me the cold shoulder, turning their back toward me. And so these narratives, right, I don't care how strong an individual is, they begin to play in the back of your mind. Right. Like, okay, if they don't see me, am I really needed? Right? Is this is this a space that I'm actually supposed to be even in? Right. Am I supposed to just be in the background waiting for them to say, OK, baby's born. Here you go. Discharge, go home. So you have I have that narrative playing. Right. And then I have the other fact that I'm in school. Right. Mm -hmm. We weren't really planning on having a child right away. We were married, but it was one of those things like maybe five, six years down the line. I'm almost done. Let me finish. Mm -hmm. And now we have this on top of trying to wrap up this degree. Right. And trying to find a career like that's that's going to sustain now this new family. Right. And so we have these pressures that's existing. So you have all of this taking place and it's like a weight because I have no way to unload, no space, mm -hmm. right? I don't want to unload on my wife who's already got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. To add that stress could cause more, it's almost like a, a, a cycle, right? Like mm -hmm. if I add that stress there, then it's going to only play more on her health, which is also going to put us back in the same situation. So. Oof. Right. It's so heavy. It, it is heavy. It's it's a lot for any one person to bear. So how how did you get through that? <laughs> so I always like to say much prayer and it it takes a lot for me to actually break. Mm -hmm. So that breaking point actually came four years into our marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. So now at this time we have two children. Oh. Uh, both are, I guess you could say they're both toddlers at this point, early stages of being a toddler. And I had really just blew up. I had really, because I had compressed everything and held mm -hmm. everything inside for so long, mm -hmm. there was an anger that was just brewing inside of me, right? right? Like a bitterness and an anger that would, that became the only emotion that I could show, right? right? I suppressed every other emotion. I suppressed happiness. I suppressed joy. I suppressed love, mm -hmm. right? Any other, I suppressed sadness. Mm -hmm. My mother passed during that time. Oh and so I, I cried, but I was like, hold it together. 
right? Hold it together. Mm-hmm. Got to be strong. She wanted me to actually eulogize her funeral. And so I was like, I cannot break down. And so I'm trying to hold it together. To one point, I just exploded. I exploded and literally almost lost my family. Mm-hmm. It was at that point I said, okay, is it is it is it worth it trying to hold on to what society says is masculine and what you know your community says you shouldn't do which is talk to a therapist or do you want to make a change do you love your family that much that you're going to see about getting yourself taken care of and all of your total health which includes your mental health mm-hmm. and so I took the opportunity and and I actually began seeing a therapist and that actually was the turn for me to have that outlet, but also know that it was okay to actually unload in a healthy way and find avenues and things. So that that actually became a turnaround. Wow. So I mean, that is a long time to suffer. It is. If I, if I can use that word. <laughs> no, it is. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was hard. Sometimes I think back on it like a nightmare, but also a dream. Yeah. Oof. Right. So that is that's a. a a long hill to climb to get out of that, out of all of the the intensity of mm-hmm. feeling and overwhelm and pressure and like all of the things that you were d- describing. But wow, it's great that you made that decision to get that help for yourself. It's a tough one. It is really, really hard. It is. It's it's hard. Let alone to go speak to like somebody you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But I was desperate. And sometimes desperation will cause you to do things that you would not normally do, right? Especially if you are hungry for it to the point where like this change is necessary or I'm going to die. And that's how I felt in that moment, right? Like if I don't do this, I will die. Yeah, I just felt that like deep in the pit of Mm -hmm. my stomach for you. That that is a, a lot, a lot. Oh, I guess like that, Coming out of that, I assume it took a little while. Yeah. So that was four years that, that took me to that point. And I would say it took almost equally that amount of time, maybe three years to, and each year actually progressively, progressively, I should say, mm-hmm. getting better. Mm-hmm. But it took almost three to four years for me to actually feel healthy, right? Like mm-hmm. to rebuild in, in the right way. So really uh-huh. tearing down all those situations, right? All those negative aspects and influences and then begin to reframe them, right? So the the key for me was about reframing, Mm -hmm. reframing my circumstances to the point where I use them to help someone else and understand that what I went through as horrible as it was, right? If I choose to use it to help someone else, it gives that meaning, Right. And by yes. giving it meaning and purpose, now it can no longer fester in bitterness and resentment and anger, right? Mm-hmm. Towards those individuals and systems that hurt me. I'm using this now to change and challenge those systems and to tear down those systems so that we can build something better. That's ah, so, so cool. So oof, tearing up over here. I, I love that you, you came to that, that place uh, through, through such horrible pain. That you did find that purpose. And, and so now I think a big part of what you were describing before is mm-hmm. your your process of feeling like you were not valued, mm-hmm. you were not seen, you were not even talked to as a father. Right. You weren't respected as the father, let alone a black father mm-hmm. uh, coming into that hospital system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's i mean you understand the the value that you 
do have, it sounds like, and yes. letting other people know that they have value as well. Yes, yes. I think it's important, right? Like, Again, my experience was to feel and, and very much so be devalued, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes I can even have my family, to be honest with you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you don't know what you're doing, you know? Right. How you are you you sure you trust them with that baby? Right. Like all these things, what are you really saying? Because they're going somewhere. They're just not words that are hitting the ceiling and hitting the floor, right? They're actually penetrating our hearts and our minds. And even as men, right, we have emotions. And if we don't deal with those things, if we don't acknowledge what's being said and put them in the right perspective, mm -hmm. it sets up in us a wall that we don't even realize is being built sometimes, right? And I say that because that goes to the, the, to the necessity of understanding the value that a father has, right? Even support people, right? Like the value can never be underestimated because we make the difference. And what do I mean by that? Well, when my wife was going through and the doctor was speaking to her, but she's in pain, she's not taking in information. Right. No. That was my role. My role was to hear everything that was being said. Mm -hmm. And so when, for instance, I'm dealing with a medical system, we're talking to a father and he's being going into a doctor's appointment. Hey, these are some questions you need to ask. Make sure they understand and see you because when she's not capable of making the decision or actually in a place where she can speak for herself because maybe she's in recovery or she's in too much pain, that's the time that you have to come in with whatever plan you had in place together mm -hmm. and say, this is what we agreed on. And this is what we talked about teaching and educating fathers on how to be advocates, because that's what we bring to the table. When she was going through her own issues, medically, number one, needing to check her blood pressure in the postpartum period, because that's right. a very dangerous time. Yeah. I was the one that was like, hey, what's going on? You look a little dizzy. You seem like something's not right. Let me go get a blood pressure cuff, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's part of what we bring to the table. And we have to understand that no matter what we see around us, no matter what even negative words or phrases may be mentioned, we are important because we can sustain the life of our significant others as well as our children, right? And so there's so much more to that, but those are some of the key things that really stood out to me and like some of those things that I like to share now with fathers. Mm -hmm. So like looking back on it now, you can see the value you had, but you, it was hard yes. to experience in part because it wasn't being reflected back to you in, in really any way that you have value here. Correct. You, you were stepping up and, and doing what, whatever it was that you and your wife had agreed on or whatever mm -hmm. you figured out needed to happen. But it is really hard to, to maintain that for yourself when you're sort of quote unquote being told all around you that the opposite essentially exactly i mean that's 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 exactly it right like we don't have that being echoed to us right we or we we don't have that being affirmed in us right so why not be that affirming voice in this day and time when that's not the narrative that's being shared or told right because yeah it's necessary so i'm i'm I'm, I want to get into a, a lot of what you're doing now to, to mm -hmm. su support dads, but this is a very specific question to that. Like, how do you support someone, a father, to go into a system where still they're not more often than not, I think anyways, not being mm -hmm. given the due respect in many ways to continue to, to advocate and say, hey, I'm here. And hey, I, how do you help somebody to, to fight against a system that's not listening to them? 
It's not easy. Uh -huh. But one thing we have to first understand is that this is a system that we have presented, right? So whether we choose to do a home birth, whether we choose to do a hospital birth or birth in a birthing center, we have to understand that these are, these are our choices. And so now knowing what these choices are, when we approach these choices, understand how you're being viewed, understand how you're being received and understand how you are being perceived, right? And so when you step into those situations, already understand and know what they are thinking. And, and, and I realize that that's a huge assumption, right? And that's an overgeneralization, but the fact still remains like the, my experience was not unique to, to my situation 15 years ago, mm -hmm. right? It still happens today. You're, you're hearing a lot of stories like this. I'm hearing a lot of stories like this, right? Mm -hmm. And the numbers don't lie, right? Mm -hmm. When when Black women are three times more than likely to die during that whole birthing process, right? Or have issues during that prenatal and postpartum period, right? Like that says something. Mm -hmm. um, and with that being the case, it's like, okay, we know what the risks are. Now let's offer you some solutions and guidance mm -hmm. on how to navigate these systems, right? Mm -hmm. Don't feel inferior when you walk into there, walk in with your head held high. If you're not being acknowledged, say, hey, doc, this is a question I have. Be forthright, come forward and and and, and be direct, right? Mm -hmm. Not in a negative way, but be direct and say, hey, I'm the father, this is who I am, and I have some questions. And then you go down the list, right? If you confront it early, then, and, and, and not, and if you confront it early, I'll say that a lot of times you can offset some of those other situations from occurring mm -hmm. appointments for future appointments. Oh, right. Like setting the tone, setting the tone for sure. Uh, and setting the cadence yeah. for how it's going to go. Mm -hmm. Right. For sure. So in, in the work that you're doing now and in, in your, your platform, get at me, dad, mm -hmm. what are all of the, the, yeah, can you can you tell us ab about that in For sure. more detail? So Get At Me Dad is an organization that I started this year, became a CLC, which is a certified lactation counselor. Not many males are, are uh, in that field and especially not many black males. So with that, the goal is to educate fathers, right? Adv teach them how to advocate and supporting them so they can be support systems for their families. And so with that, we have a podcast that we do. We have weekly or bi-weekly fatherhood groups that we host virtually. And so I also do some childbirth education classes with another organization I partner with in Detroit. So it's really getting into the community and letting the community know, hey, there's fathers that are here present because we want to change the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. We want to change the narrative of how we are viewed so that we can change the system so that we're not facing those same the same issues that I faced 15 years ago. And and that's that's the overall process in which we're going about in our organization organizational focus, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious because you I mean you're describing it's like rare for male lactation consultants, let mm -hmm. alone black male. How well, and I should say, and so needed. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it's hard to be one of few. It is uh, for you because that that presents its own challenges. It's <laughs> like a new idea for mm -hmm. for folks who who maybe aren't used to that. But mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm also making an assumption that it's like sort of a a breath of fresh air in a way to to people. Like like, whoa, how? Oh. <laughs> That's what you're I doing? say that <laughs> I say that and everyone like I get some funny looks like you're what like what do you do again <laughs> um, uh -huh. but it's it's eye opener and I use that as I use it as an opportunity right like never waste a good shot you know what I mean like hey let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> right I love that <laughs> but yeah 
That's all. Awesome. So people, um, people are receiving it well. Receiving oh, people you are. Well. Yeah. yeah, people are receiving me well. Like I, I, I can't say that I've had any real negative experiences with it. Like I mean, people are surprised, and then they want to know more. They want to know why, yes, yes, and that's yes. when I can actually dig in, right, and share the reasons why I do what I do, and we, we are who we are. So I think it's, it's important, you know. Yeah, for sure. So in going back a little bit to what you were saying before, like in the value of fathers, is there anything else you would like to add or say more about in terms of the value of fathers? For sure. So the other piece that I think is vitally important is recognizing as fathers, not only do we have the ability to see those physical signs, but those emotional, mental signs that sometimes aren't caught or aren't caught early enough. Mm-hmm. And by that, like mental health for our, our our spouses or significant others, right? That postpartum depression and anxiety is real. Mm-hmm. And and for me, again, not having anyone to talk to, trying to fight through my own things, I didn't even recognize it in my my wife, you mm-hmm. know? And so she was struggling. But I didn't know. I didn't see it. I didn't understand. It, I didn't recognize it. And so we would have contention, right? That's again, those four years building up. And so she was depressed and she was anxious because she had this new baby. And I'm thinking to myself, well, all you're doing is watching the child. I'm going more to work and going to school and doing all these things. Right. And so like understanding we can see and head off signs of depression and anxiety if we know the symptoms, right? Mm. If we hear things that don't sound right, like this baby is crying all the time. I just want to stick them in a drawer, right? Like mm-hmm. that's an issue, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we need to deal with that. We need to find out why, right? Like, yes. and I'm not saying the person is an issue, like yes. that feeling, like why is, why is, why is she feeling that way? Like, let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do. And, and unfortunately I missed it because I didn't know. And so now I'm talking to fathers about that. Like, hey, don't even don't negate to recognize the signs in yourself, but also, hey, here's some tips for you to recognize the signs in your the mother of your child. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, again, our value is so important because we can we can guard and we can protect from all these other things. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That go far beyond the protection of that physical sense that we think of as a man. If somebody comes to try to hurt you, I'm going to step up. But protection goes far beyond that. And we like to talk about that with fathers, like think beyond that because protection is bigger than Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely. And it really does help to have like sort of all eyes open, Mm -hmm. so to speak, to to catch anything. Because ultimately it's being able to, to help mom is also good for for dad and yes. for, or whoever's in the family system, whoever's helping out, like if everybody can be supportive and and get get whoever needs help to help, mm-hmm. which I, yeah includes fathers too. So that's amazing. How how you you had an an interesting thing that you said earlier, which I think is a lot of something that a lot of fathers, new fathers anyway, might experience is that it's hard to understand why who's just like, quote unquote, at home, just watching a baby <laughs> mm-hmm. would be having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And it's also like hard to see when you're having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, I mean, that it's, it, there's more, again, more to the story. It's not mm-hmm. just, it's a massive life change that both you and your partner are going through. Right. It's a, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a huge adjustment. I mean, I, w- I was just sharing a little while ago in, in a last group that I facilitated that 
when you think about the the fact that you yourself as an individual spent at least a minimum, let's just say a minimum of 10 years getting to know you and getting your own flow and doing your own thing, mm. then you, you incorporate another person who have, has their own flow and does their own thing, who's used to doing things their own way. Mm. And you may have some time together when you flow like that, or you may not. But now you have a baby who doesn't work and care about anybody else's clock. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, hey, I'm here. I'm hungry. I need to be changed. I need to be fed. I want somebody to play with me. I don't care if you're tired, right? Like that's like like that in itself, that throws all conventional wisdom out the window. What yeah. do you do? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so we don't like I, I'll speak for myself, right? I didn't I didn't see that. I didn't, I'm like, I don't understand what the problem is. Mm-hmm. But when we actually can now step back and look at it from that perspective, it's like, oh, I see how you might have a little issue here, right? Or a big <laughs> issue here. Right. And so again, sharing that with, it's, it's a matter of perspective, right? Mm. Like I can now use my own experiences to say, hey, here's some perspective, right? Now take it and do what you want with it. But just keep in mind that this may be something that could be occurring. Mm-hmm. And now you can kind of make some better decisions or different choices to help improve on your situation or actually make better decisions so that you can continue to be successful at the way you communicate. Definitely. Uh, So how often are you doing groups? So right now I'm doing groups twice a month. We do them every other Tuesday, maybe increasing because I partner with another organization as well. And I facilitate a a fatherhood share session with them twice a month, give or take, depends upon the flow of things. Mm -hmm. And and so there's more. Right. And so I'm actually looking to grow my team as well, Mm -hmm. because I don't I I don't think it's about me. I have the passion and drive for it for sure. Mm -hmm. But my 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 goal and my hope is that we can really bring in other voices, right? Other yeah. fathers voices. And as a black father who who understands some of the the ramifications of us not being involved or really coming forward, I want to get more black fathers involved because our voice matters, right? We can mm-hmm. bring and we can speak to this situation where it will be a shocker to people because they're like not used to it, right? But when mm-hmm. we come and we show our passion, our interest, and our drive, it can help save our community, but it can also bring so many people out of darkness, right? Like I think about it just as a dark time when you're going through and you feel alone and you feel like you're the only one going through this, right? right? It's traumatic. I remember being in my bed and like feeling like a dark cloud over me. Like that's like, it was so vivid, you know? And when I think about it, like you said earlier, like it even gives me chills because I can't believe I was in that place, but now I'm not, right? Right. Like, it's that serious. It's just that serious to me. Yeah. Right. When it touches you and touches your life in that way, there's there's no way that you can't know that that's a reality Mm -hmm. for yourself or for other people. For anybody else. Exactly. Right. And it doesn't seem, it it might not even seem possible until you go through something like that yourself. And it's really hard to know how bad it feels (laughs) unless you have gone through it. it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think still like the information and education goes a long way, even if somebody doesn't experience it themselves, hearing the story, hearing how it felt to somebody else and, and understanding the, like the consequences or ramifications that stays with you too. Mm -hmm. So later, if you start feeling that way, or you notice your partner's feeling that way, you might be able to pick up on it even more so. 
Right. And that's why I like to show up. Like, and when I say show up, I like to show up for as who I am. I like to be open and transparent. So I'm not just person like I can put on a suit and tie and say, Hey, everything's well. You're going to be fine. But I like to show up as me and, and, and let individuals experience me for the realness. Right. Because a real person went through this. And because a real person went through this, understand that you're not alone and that if something comes up, you can have tools to to successfully navigate through that period of time. And I I think it's important that more of us just show up that way. I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing, right? Because it's vitally important to just show up and be a listening ear more so than than a a voice of reason sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just need a, a listening ear and I spend a lot of time just listening to dads, right? Just listening to them and letting them share and get off their chest, whatever's going on, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they want to be the best they can be. And so we get off of our sessions and our, our fatherhood group, and then they go back, they feel rejuvenated. They're like, man, thank you. I have, Father's literally reminding me about the group sometime because mm-hmm. that's just how meaningful it, it and impactful has been for them. Right, for sure. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it, and their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin has several other high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable and not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash momandmind for 25% off. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food, like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breast that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mind listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. So so what I know to to be true from some statistics that the, a previous guest, Dr. Sheehan Fisher, who's a black psychologist mm-hmm. and works in the field, he oh, was sharing that the statistics bear out that black fathers are amongst the most involved. Exactly. Uh, and the, but the stereotype is not that. And that's a massive, massive problem. Mm-hmm. Massively huge problem. 
I 100% agree. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, the, the right there, we, we could have a whole separate episode just on this. We could. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So when the sort of stereotype and the reality are not, don't, they're not, they're not same, they're different. Mm -hmm. I guess how for, for you and the work that you're doing, is, is there a way that, like, how do you deal with that? The stereotype versus the truth? So I promote the truth, right? Yeah. Promote the truth and the lie will, will show up for what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, the dads that I speak with and the dads on a, in a group setting or individual setting, they're cooking, they're cleaning, they're picking up their children, dropping them off, making sure they get to where they need to go, mm -hmm. right? They are involved. And for those, and, and, I, and I say that because we look at the few that are what we call, I don't really, I hate using this term, but the bad apples, right? But I, I believe they're just un, they're, they're uncultivated. And so we just need to take the time to educate them, which is why I like to speak to those dads, right? Like, no, you want to throw the dad away and say that he's a deadbeat dad, but why are you digging deeper to understand what's going on? And so we promote the truth and then we work to educate and work with those dads who we just need to figure out what is preventing them from being involved on the level they want to. I myself almost walked away because I felt like I was in value, mm -hmm. right? I came close to walking away and throwing up my hands because I said, what's the point if I'm not being seen? Well, was I a deadbeat dad for I'm there at the appointments? I'm trying right. to do my best. I'm working. No, I'm not a deadbeat dad. I'm just a dad who now needs some other education mm -hmm. or some affirmations mm -hmm. so that I can stay in the game and do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. And so I promote the truth as much as possible and then educate and work with those dads to find out what other issues are underlying, right? Looking at the iceberg, what's deep, what's going underneath yeah, that, right? Yeah, yeah. And dealing with those things because ultimately I know it. I will, again, generalize, but I will say this, most fathers want to be involved. Right, right, right. And and we're, we haven't yet until maybe recently, I don't know how recently, been giving fathers more of an opportunity to exactly. be involved. They're like, I think like when my brother was born, my dad was in the waiting room. And then when <laughs> I was born, he was in the birthing room. Like mm -hmm. there was, there was a shift in between those two times or before mm -hmm. it wasn't happening and now it is. And that has like slowly been happening, um, not fast enough that that society is is realizing the importance of fathers mm -hmm. and involving them without rather, I should say, recognizing their importance. Exactly. Right. Most definitely. So in, in the work that you're doing, and this is something I've, I've pondered a lot for just perinatal mental health, even mm -hmm. in general, is like. How do you get to the person who doesn't know that this is a thing? Like, how do you help them come to the group? How, the, the person who's like, ah, oh, that's not me. Like, I'm fine. We're good. And not in any sort of conceited or, or mm -hmm. way like that, but just like doesn't, doesn't know yet that it can happen. How do you get to them so that they can know to come to your group or to get the information before mm. they have to go through the suffering? So that's kind of like some some tools of the trade too, right? So one of the things I like to do is talking to moms, talking to women, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they have a way to get into our ear and, and show us things, reveal things that we don't know. But the other aspect is just a brother to brother relationship, mm -hmm. right? When you have a brother, you trust your brother. You're going to listen to your brother. You're going to, mm -hmm. they're going to be transparent and open with you. And as you're talking, it's like, oh, wow, like, that's that's normal or that's something mm -hmm. that could exist right yeah. it, it's normalizing these things because 
again, for so long, especially in the black community, they have been abnormal. They have been viewed right negatively. And so when you normalize, hey, you may feel like this or this is something I went through. I know a couple of my brothers, a couple of my friends, like we all do this. We talked about this. Hey, this is how we and then it's like, wow, like, oh, okay. So when we have those relationships and those opportunities, whether we're working out together at the gym, whether we're playing basketball, whether we're at a barbecue, whether we're watching a game, doesn't matter. We having conversation all the time, interject, interject things into those spaces because those are safe spaces or those spaces right. when we're together and we can talk, we can be ourselves. And, you know, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think you were talking about this when we first started out here is that there's you bringing your truth and your mm -hmm. vulnerability to the table is allowing other people to do the exactly. It's really powerful and it's just so needed. I mean, I'm like, we're just human, right? We're human. Like, <laughs> right. We're right, trying to right. get through this thing and it's hard and, it, it's hard enough to, you know, why why do we have to do it alone? Yeah. I mean, we live in a society where everyone, we see social media, everything's perfect, right? Yeah. Everybody's doing, was successful when they started out <laughs> in life. Yeah. You know, when I, I, I like to counteract that whole thing. I'm, I'm kind of like, I like to go against the grain in, in a lot of ways. Like, no, I'm going to tell my story. This is the real deal. You yeah. want to see something positive? Go ahead. You can get on <laughs> social media channels. But if you want to know how to actually be a successful overcomer, then yeah, let's oh, let's talk. I love that. <laughs> successful overcomer. I gotta write that down. That's so. really good. <laughs> I, love that. I I thank you for coming and sharing what you're doing and all of the work that you're doing. How how can you can you sort of leave us with how you or I guess your vision or what you'd like for fathers and black fathers specifically? Oh, there's so much, but in short, understand your value understand your voice matters, understand your voice counts, understand your presence is needed. And when you're not there, it's, it's, it's felt, right? When you're not there, we feel the lack of your, your, we feel your absence, I should say. And know that in doing this, you're changing not only, you know, you're not doing something just for yourself, you're changing generations that we have not even seen yet, right? We're making impact now for the future. And so, that's one of the things I like to show every father in every group and every one-on-one -on -one conversation because we need that affirmation. We need that affirmation. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. That's beautiful and so true. Again, thank you for your time. Everyone can find Reg at getatmedad at gmail.com. Please do connect with him and reach out and find out about the good work he's doing. And thank you, Reginald, Reg, for making a difference. I appreciate it, Kat. Thank you so much for having me again. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. You can find Reg on Instagram at Get At Me Dad, and that is also the name of his podcast that you can find wherever podcasts are played. And please do share this episode as far and as wide as possible. We really need to be having these conversations, listening to them, thinking about what's being said and how we can continue the conversation, how we can spread more truth and information and understanding about fathers, fatherhood, and fathers in BIPOC communities. I thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, 
Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.